back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. She taught me to pray. She taught me about the weapon of prayer. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as people join with us online. And let's say together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. If you would like to be faithful and uh, continuing to sell, uh, serve and support your church, you can give an offering this morning, cash or check, using the envelopes in the backs of the seats in front of you, and put them in the buckets on the way out. Many of you have signed up uh, for recurrent giving online. That is the uh, simplest thing you could do. You simply sign up and you guys make a decision. We're going to give X amount of dollars every week to, to the church. And then you just put that in there, and every week it just happens automatically. Or you can use your phone using the Celebration Church app to give, which is what I use every Sunday. I just enjoy using the little goofy thing and, uh, and putting uh, whatever you want into the kingdom at that point. Your faithfulness is what continues to make all of this ministry possible, and we thank you for that. Uh, next Sunday morning, uh, Deanna and I are going to be in Pascagoula, Mississippi, with uh, Pastor Eric Camp. And Tony, his wife, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Pascagoula is a weird place, man, in that you just can't get there from here. It's the strangest thing. You can get virtually anywhere in America with two flights. First flight, second flight, you're there. Pascagoula, just dead south of here, three flights to get there because nobody goes there directly. It's a real pain. Consequently, we just can't get back in time for service next Sunday. So... We have a wonderful friend visiting us we haven't seen in a while. Bishop Ed is amongst the living once again, and he will be visiting us. It'll be good to see him as, as he covers for me. So look forward to seeing Bishop Ed and supporting him uh, in his message next week. Today, I want to read from uh, Revelation. This is the last book of the Bible, uh, and way at the back of the book at chapter 21. 
And we read these words. John is writing. He's been seeing all these visions of the end. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the earth had passed away. Uh, when you look at the scriptures, uh, it's going to go up in a big ball of flames. All of this. Why? It is poisoned with death and sickness and the blood of peoples. And uh, it's all going to go away. You talk about global warming. <laughs> God's going to light that fire. We're going to have some serious global warming. And there's nothing you can do about it. How about that? All right. So the first heaven and first earth away has passed away. And the sea was no more. It's all going to be gone. He says, and then I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, thank God. For the first things have passed away. Now, whenever I've read this, I always just considered, you know, yeah, the pain and stuff will be passed away. That is true, but it's more than that. Everything will be passed away. All of this is gone. Now, what I found interesting, I was reading this week, Isaiah, the six, actually two weeks ago, I was reading Isaiah in chapter 65, and it struck me uh, when I read these words. This is what God says to Isaiah, verse uh, chapter 65, verse 17. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. Now think about this. This was written 3,000 plus years ago. We're talking about something that has yet to come. This will be after judgment day and everything's done, a new heavens, a new earth. God is telling Isaiah, guess what I'm about to do? So you can see time is totally different to God's perspective. He doesn't look at it and think, as far as he's concerned, this is about to happen any minute. And he's very excited about it. We're still waiting for all this stuff uh, to come about. He says, for I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Everything else will be gone. Your life, everything you work for, that you save for, your loved ones, your fears, your concerns, it will all equal absolutely nothing. And it will not even be remembered it's all just dust. Which when you stop and think, the people who worry and fret, you worry about, even what happens isn't going to be remembered. Much less all the stuff you worry about. And I, by nature, I'm just not a worrier. I just don't do that. Uh, I have never grasped, and I know millions of people struggle with it, but I just cannot grasp why are you fretting about something that hasn't happened? Because you don't even know if it's going to happen. Right? Now, I can see something. If you know it's going to happen, being a little <laughs> concerned about it. But most people spend time fretting about things that never even happened at all. What a waste of time and energy and fear, which is the antidote to faith. Why don't I have more faith? Because you're so full of fear. It erases faith. You want to get inoculated? <laughs> Be afraid. It'll inoculate you from fear, from faith. It won't allow you to trust God and see miracles in your life. Everything will equal absolutely nothing. All these years of everything you do, except for what you do for the kingdom of God. Now, today I want to talk to you about financial planning. 
Oh, not stocks and bonds or savings or trusts. I want to talk to you about eternal investments because it's the only thing that you'll take with you. And if you've made none, your life will literally have equaled to absolutely nothing. Let's look at Judgment Day. Nothing says a good time like talking about Judgment Day. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go all hellfire and brimstone on you. But, uh, but it's something to look at. It's coming. Look, it's coming. No one can escape this. Everyone, all of us, believers, unbelievers, will all stand before God someday. And you can think whatever you want to think and try to ignore it and not talk about it, but it is coming as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow morning. It's coming. This is that day. Now, there are actually two different judgment days. A lot of people aren't aware of this because most people don't really study their Bibles very closely. But there's two different judgment days. First, there's called the, white, the great white throne judgment. And this is for people who do not know God or who have rejected God in their lives. Now, the Bible says when you come to faith, and you realize who Christ is, and you surrender to him, and you believe in him, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, this is the judgment day for people whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. They don't know God, or rejected God, I don't need God, I'm good enough, blah, 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 blah. Well, this is their day. This is just before what we read, before the new heavens and the new earth, is this great white throne judgment. John writes about it. He says, then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Also, another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead, the, the dead were judged according to their works as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and all were judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Sometimes intellectual pinheads get into debates about hell. So, well, do you think it's actually fire? I don't know. It sounds really bad to me. People discuss hell as like, it's not that bad. What are you saying? It's not good. This is not good. I don't know. Will it be forever? Or for, I don't care if it's for 10 minutes. I don't want to go. Talking like, it's no big deal. This is a big stinking deal. Then there's the judgment seat of Christ. This is the judgment day for believers. It is a different day. Obviously, not quite the horrible ending. Paul writes about this in uh, 2 Corinthians. He writes to the Corinthian church, chapter 5, verse 10. He says, for all of us must appear, all of us believers, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Uh, and this is where we all give account. Everybody has to give an account. Now, the great white throne judgment, this is a bad day for people. What really sinks them, they'll be judged according to what they did. But the sinker is their name is not written in the book of life. We too will give an account for what we've done. Everybody must. But our name is written in the book of life. We are saved. They are not. Huge difference. Paul writes about this today, 1 Corinthians 3.11. He says, for no one can lay any foundation 
other than the one that has been laid, the foundation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about your life. You come to faith, Jesus is the foundation now of your life, and now we build upon that foundation. We either build things that last and matter, or we build things that don't. He's going to, we'll read in just a second. He says, the things that matter are, he calls gold, silver, precious stones. The things that don't matter, wood, hay, straw. And uh, let's take a look at it. It says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible. For the day, big D, the day, judgment seat of Christ, will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been done built on the foundation survives, the gold, silver, precious stones, the builder will be will receive a reward. But if the work is burned, all the wood, hay, and straw, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. There will be a great many people on that day, Christian people, who will basically be saved by the skin of their teeth. Better than that than the white Jones judgment, but such a waste. That means everything in your life equaled nothing. Now, the truth of the matter is, I can't help but believe that the greatest part of our life is wood, hay, and straw. We spend our lives, the majority of us, doing things that just, they don't even matter in this world, <laughs> much less in the world to come, okay? So it's not, you know, gee, I can't do stuff that don't really matter. Everybody does stuff that doesn't matter. But don't just let that be your life. Do things that matter, that will bring treasures into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, where stock markets go up, stock markets go down, banks fail, somebody does this, that, or the other. Whether moth or rust does, uh, does, does not consume, that's where you want to build yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust does not consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Pastor, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about our legacy campaign. This is our annual campaign where we challenge people. Legacy is something that lasts, something like that really lasts. Here's an opportunity to do something above and beyond. And we're talking financially now. There's all kinds of ways you can build gold, silver, and precious stones. Being kind to people, leading someone to Jesus, a suffering for someone else, being inconvenienced to help others, sacrificing for others, volunteering in church. There's so many things and projects that we can get involved in. And, of course, money. Money is a part of it. It's a big, stinking part of it. Now, I know a lot of people don't like it when you talk about money. Oh, money. Money is just a, this thing on the side. No, it's not. Money is your life. You will spend the bulk of your life, blood, sweat, and tears. And what you will get in exchange for that is money. Money represents your life, your energy, your sacrifice. What you will spend most of your life doing will be reflected in money. When you give money, this is a part of you. It's not something off to the side that doesn't matter. It extremely matters what you do with your money. And here's the thing. It's so unfair, right? You can work blood, sweat, and tears just like the person next to you, and that person will make a lot more money than you. Oh, that's not fair, right? 
It is what it is. It's just the world that we live in. This is not equity. This is not heaven. You think this is heaven? It's going to suck to be you because this is not heaven. And some of you work harder than anybody and still make less money than some guys who don't do anything. They're just really smart and they figure out how to make stuff work. It's not fair, but it still represents your life. That's why when the Bible talks about giving, we say the word tithe. You know what that means? It means 10%. That's the biblical standard. So I can't do 10%. Well, then do five. Do some that. But it's always based on a percentage because it's based on what you have, the amount of money you have. There's not a set amount. Everybody doesn't have to come up with $2,000 today, all right? Uh, it's, it depends on what you're able to do. This is what uh, we're supposed to do based on the percentage. And everybody's blessed at different levels. And, and I promise you, it's harder to tithe when you have lots of money than when you have almost nothing. I guarantee you, if I gave you a dollar, giving a dime is nothing. It's just nothing. You start making $50,000, you start making $100,000, you start making a million, you bring home a million dollars a year. You know how hard it is for those people to write a check for 100 grand? The more you have, the harder, don't deceive yourself. It actually gets worse the more that you make. It's harder to give. But we're all supposed to give some kind of percentage. Now, everybody makes up their mind on what they're going to give uh, on Sundays. Okay, this is what you give. Uh, the ideal, the Bible teaches is 10. But what, you know, if you bring home 100 bucks, give 10. That's the standard. Say, well, I can't. Well, give five. Give three. Do find whatever percentage you can do and do it and do it faithfully. And the more you do it, God will bless you so that you can do the 10. This is how this whole thing works. Uh, but then there's the giving that is just above and beyond blatant investment in the kingdom of God. And that's what we're talking about in this legacy thing. Now, we always do this during the season of Advent, which is Christmas time. Say, Pastor, why do you ask people to give money at Christmas when we're spending so much money for presents? I don't know. Here's an idea. Don't spend so much freaking money on presents. Now, I heard recently that they're concerned that there's not going to be many presents in the store, to which I said, may the Lord be praised. Praise God. I hope there's nothing on those shelves. People are stressing out about it. They're freaking out. You know why? Because people in the world are just, <laughs> I need something. Oh, there's not going to be stairs. Oh, there's not going to be stuff on the shelves. Who cares if there's not a baby doll on the shelf? Make a Raggedy Ann doll. Kid will break either one. It doesn't matter. Don't get obsessed by all this stuff. But this is the time of year we reflect on giving and we encourage you, do something special. Go above and beyond. Say, well, Pastor, what should we do? I don't know. I don't have your life. You have your life. Think about it. Talk about it with your spouse. What can we do above and beyond? Some, it will be not comparatively, not that much, and others can do huge things. But it's just best. What can you do? Because listen, there's a day coming when you are going to endure the flames of judgment, not hellfire judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ, to, and then we're going to see what's left. You know, your caring, your loving, your sacrificing, your financial giving is the stuff that is going to last that you take with yourself into glory. And the rewards, I don't think we can even get our heads around what's coming for those who can bring that with them. Uh, it's going to be sad on that day because I still think the majority of people, uh, almost everything is going to go up in smoke. What a waste. Don't waste your life. Now, I get it. As I already said, most of us will spend most of our lives doing things that'll go up in smoke. It just is what it is. You get out of bed, you got to change your underwear. 
that's just wood, hay, stubble. Who cares about that stuff? You got to clean the toilet? I don't think there's any eternal rewards for stuff like that. You just got to do what you got to do. You spend most of your time doing things you don't want to do. You're in school. You got to do homework. I don't think you're going to get any glory in heaven because <laughs> you do a math problem. That's life. We all do things that don't matter. I get it. But don't make your whole life that. Fight that. Find things you can do. Don't just come to church and do nothing. Now, I got to tell you, as a pastor, I like it when you come to church, even if you do nothing, because I got somebody to talk to. All right? But don't make this your church experience. You just come and, and, and you don't volunteer. You don't give anything. You don't do anything. Any special event during the year, you really offer nothing. And then you give, you know, you, you tip your waitress, some of you guys, more than you're giving the offering. That this is your life. Don't waste your life. Remember, it's all going to end up with nothing. I don't want that to be me. I'm just telling you, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to end this deal, this run, all these years, all these efforts, and walk away with nothing at the end. And it is a trap. It will rock you to sleep. That's the thing about every day. One day is kind of like the next day, kind of like the next day. And your Monday tomorrow will be like all the other Mondays before. And the next Monday, and I just rock by me. And you just fall asleep. And then you're 83 and you've done nothing. You've done nothing. Don't do that. You know, we've been, uh, I still get people that don't attend this church coming to me and asking for uh, religious exemption letters from me. And I always say, no, they get mad at me. Well, what kind of Christian are you? One that ain't going to give you a letter. I'll tell you, that's what I am. You know, my letter, by the way, all it says is it validates your faith. These are people I validate because we look at the, at the records. If you volunteer, if you give, if you're faithful in attendance, I'll send a letter and say, hey, this is a devout Christian. Sadly, there's a whole people in our own church that I can't even write that letter for because their experiences, they come and they just really don't do anything. Don't do that. There's a day coming. I would be, I don't like talking about judgment day. You think, <laughs> this is not fun. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. I look at this and I groan along with the rest of you. Ugh. You know, but my call is, it's a day that's coming. Let's make it matter. Let's find things that matter. Even though most of your life won't matter. And that's the bad news. But you can still do things that will make a difference. Let me close with this. Jesus told this parable. Uh, chapter 16 of Luke, he says, there was a rich man whose manager accused him of wasting his possessions. So this guy's, he's a lousy manager. He's spending money like a drunken monkey. He's not taking care of things. The manager finds out about it. He's ticked off. So he calls him in and says, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. You're losing your job. Well, the manager freaks. He says to himself, what am I going to do now? My master's taking away my job. If I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg, oh, I know what I'll do. He gets this brilliant idea. I've got a plan so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. Does anybody know what the manager has done wrong so far? I mean, the, the, the owner? Anybody have an idea? He keeps him employed. <laughs> if you've ever been 
been fired from a job, which is a horrible experience. Even I have experienced this wonderful joy. Is uh, you leave right now. Turn in your keys, empty your desk. It's a humiliating experience. You're like, well, gee, did they have to be so mean? Why didn't they let me wrap stuff up? Because you can screw things up. <laughs> when you're done, you're done. Get out of here. This guy tells this guy, you're done. So wrap everything up. <laughs> the guy goes, okay, I'll wrap it up. So this is what he does. So verse five. So he calls in one of his master's debtors, the guy that owes his master money. He says, he said, how much do you owe my master? And he says, 900 gallons of olive oil. Uh, and the manager says, nah, you don't owe no. 900, I think you owe about 450. So take your bill. Sit down quickly and make it 450. Now he's ripping off the owner. But he's blessing the people who owe the money. And it's not illegal what he's doing at this point because he's still in charge that's why they don't let you stick around. If they can, you, you're gone today. All right? I always hear people, it's so unfair. They wouldn't let me. Yeah, no, no, no. When you're done, you're done. This is life. Here's advice. Don't get fired in the first place. How about that? All right? Pay attention. Do your job well. Make yourself valuable. And you don't get fired. Anyway, so, um, and then he says to the second one, how much do you owe? He says, Man, I owe a thousand bushels of wheat. He goes, no, nah, I think it's more like 800. <laughs> Take your bill. Make it 800. So this guy, he, now, what's happening is all these people really love the manager. He becomes a great guy to all these because he's so nice. Because this guy's thinking, what is going to happen? Because he, he's got all these people that he deals with in business. He says, I'm going to so bless them that when I come to visit them, like, hey, babe, hey, Bob, come on in. Hey, guys, Bob's here. Kids, turn off the TV. You know, come in. And Bob sits down, and they take care of Bob because he blessed him. Now, the, you would think the owner would be furious. But Jesus says in verse 8, the master commended the dishonest little rat because <laughs> he acted shrewdly. I mean, he had to own it, right? The owner says, you know, I'm a, I'm a dork. I should have just fired him and got rid of him right away. But he let him stay, and he redid all the books and Everybody else benefited. He commended him because he acted shrewdly. For the, and that's what Jesus says. The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. Now, isn't that embarrassing? That's sad. They're better at living in this world than sometimes we are in living for the kingdom of God. Why? Because we tend to live just in this world. It's different for us. We have to do things that will make an eternal difference. And Jesus says this in verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Do stuff so that when people get, when you get to heaven, people say, hey, Fred's here. Fred, how you doing? Oh, man, good to see you. Oh, this guy made a difference in my life. He told me about Jesus when nobody else would. Uh, I was in this poor country, and, and, and they, they put uh, fresh water wells in when, when so many people were dying, and, and I was able to live a good life. Uh, I was an orphan in Myanmar, and, and these, these are the guys who gave money so that I could grow up and be taken care of and fed. All of these people are going to go, there he is! woo -hoo! And everybody who does jack swat, everybody's going to go, who's the new guy? I have no idea. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy you get there and everybody goes, oh, hi, welcome. You never did anything. You never invested anything. You never volunteered. You never served. And you never gave money that meant jack. Let me appeal to you. This holiday season, 
Make a plan. Do something special. Pastor, the most I can do is X. Fine. Do X. Do something. Don't just live a life that at the end is and equals absolutely nothing. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and get ready to serve communion to us this morning. This is when we turn our attention to the most important thing, knowing Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. His body was broken. His blood was shed so we could have new life. This is what makes it possible to have your name written in the book of life to avoid the great white throne judgment. And that's, the Bible says before we do this, we should examine ourselves to see where we're at. So here's a chance. We do this every week. It's a chance to kind of do a reset. How you doing this week? Maybe I've been in church for three months. You know, how you doing? You've been making mistakes. You've been messing up. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the time to get it right. We're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness. And if you can think of things that, that you haven't been doing right, just ask God to forgive you. Keep a short account with God. Don't let things just run, 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 run. So let's all bow our heads together as I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we've done, maybe something we left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthening us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as our heads are bowed, maybe you're visiting right now, maybe you're watching online and you're new to faith. You, you, you've never experienced what we're talking about. You can experience God's grace in your life this morning right now. Just ask Jesus in your own words to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. The Bible says when you do this, the angels in heaven rejoice and your name is then written into the Lamb's book of life. This is a book you want to be a part of and all it takes is reaching out in faith to Him. Amen.